Good evening, everyone. Um, it's uh, it's a pleasure to have you on board for uh, episode 204. Uh, good grief, 204. It's Rail Week this week, or rather next week, because this is a pre-record. But um, for you watching, <coughs> it's Rail Week right now. It's also National Apprenticeships Week. And the good thing about this is this offered an opportunity to do something different for the Rail Natter Rail Week episode, which we skipped last year because of baby reasons. But we're back again. Uh, doing something different. Um, we'll repeat this next year as well. But in person. But this time we used the joys of um, the joys of uh, uh, teams <laughs> to get uh, a panel of um, previous apprentices uh, who've been through the process um, uh, and me. Uh, and also, then we had uh, an audience uh, audience of apprentices who asked some questions about uh, who asking us questions about uh, you know what. Uh, well, if, you'll see the questions, but they're they're really good questions. I recorded this yesterday. Uh, really good questions, some really interesting answers, and I think um, some, yeah, it's some really, I, I think it's a really useful Q&A. So uh, without further ado, um, I'm going to hand over to myself to welcome you to tonight's Rail Matter. As the InterCity 225 fades away, I'm here. I'm also in this machine that's being recorded by someone else, so that hopefully will work. Uh, uh, welcome, everyone. Um, I am joined, as, I, as I've just hinted at in the intro that none of these people have heard because I've not recorded it yet. Um, I, I, I'm joined by a huge range of people, the most guests that Rail Matter has ever had um, on, on, on the episode. We have got... Um, 11 people of which we have some uh, some kind of mid-career, some more experienced people, um, and we have some uh, apprentices who are kind of earlier in their career, uh, kind of super early, you know, a couple of years into their career. This is going to be a bit of a uh, an apprentice question time type situation where we're going to, the, the apprentices are going to ask us mid-career people who think we know everything. The, the apprentices are going to ask us questions that we're going to be baffled by and hopefully we'll come up with some sort of a coherent answer. In doing so, maybe creating something useful for you, the viewer at home uh, watching uh, this Rail Matter um, during Rail Week. So, without further ado, I'm first of all going to say, can everyone who is who thinks of themselves as a panellist here, uh, as a, as a mid-career person, can you give a wave into camera? Go on, give us a wave. There we are. So we've got Sam, we've got Caitlin, and we've got James. Um, Sam, I tell you what, we're going to go through and introduce yourself. Sam, do you want to introduce yourself? Tell Tell everyone who you are. Yeah, thanks, Gareth. Um, hi, everybody. I am Sam Arrowsmith. I'm project manager at HS2, uh, and I'm responsible for an 11-kilometre uh, section of the route, um, kind of South Warwickshire, West Northamptonshire. Um, I've got two green tunnels, a load of kind of earthworks embankments, um, some big viaducts and things like that, and I've been at HS2 for three and a half years now. Very good. So there's Sam. Thank you, Sam. Um, Caitlin, introduce yourself to, to everyone. Hi everybody, I'm Caitlin Gent, Fleet Commercial Engineer for Transpennine Express. For those who don't know us, um, we're a train operating company. Um, I work alongside my head of Fleet Commercial and Fleet Delivery Managers and we deliver and manage engineering contracts and service contracts. I've been with the company seven years now, which feels frightening to say because I still feel brand new. Um, so that's included my apprenticeship time, but um, yeah, I'm looking forward to hopefully passing on some wisdom to you today. 
it's very cool to have Caitlin on because Caitlin is one of the one of my early teaching victims when I taught at the National College for High Speed Rail. So uh, and that sounds more sinister than I intended it to be. No, she just had to deal with me teaching track engineering for like one day every two weeks. Um, it was very uh, interesting. I must admit, it was very good. Oh, well, thanks, Caitlin. Um, the fact that you're still in the industry suggests that it was it couldn't have been quite that bad. Uh, lastly, in our group of panelists, other than me, but everyone on here knows who I am. I'm, I'm so sorry, James. Uh, introduce yourself, James. Ah, afternoon, Gareth. Um, yeah, don't do yourself down. Uh, like Caitlin, you also did teach me as well when you were, uh, um, well, I think you still do, don't you? You lecture uh, part, partly with BCRRE. So uh, yeah, I'm uh, uh, I'm an engineer uh, by, by background, but I am um, an engineering manager for uh, HS2. Uh, I've been on the project for three and a half years, started um, the same time as Sam did. Um, but I took the, the graduate path through, uh, through HS2, but uh, have uh, had uh, many experience uh, working with um, uh, apprentices uh, throughout my uh, my short so far working career, but uh, like everyone else, I'm still here. So there must be there must be a good message. There must be a reason I'm still here. Yeah, it's always good to have people. Yeah, there's no one too cynical uh, on the call, kind of coming to their career and showing their shoulders and telling people to get out of the industry as quickly as possible. Um, yeah, because so last you know last time we did a real week episode, we were finding it increasingly difficult to convince ourselves that the, the rail industry was was sort of still uh, self-sustaining because things were going and it's not got better and so we thought right let's 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 give up on us trying to convince people that everything is rosy in the rail industry let's actually talk to some people who have made the decision to join the industry and hopefully are enjoying it and and so the range of people are going to go through so hello everyone at home we're going to go through everyone here has got a question of they've got their own unique story and they're going to ask us a question the apprentices, all the other apprentices may chip in as well, um, but it is National Apprenticeships Week, so this uh, it's not for us. It, it is for in real time for this when this goes out in a week. The, the time moves, and um, so everyone um, on uh, on here is has, uh, who's going to ask those questions is is an apprentice, and therefore um, uh, this should be a, a National Apprenticeships Week relevant bit of content. <laughs> so without further ado. Um, oh, I, I suppose, like, okay, so people who maybe haven't watched this, if there's Rail Week people coming and watching this who don't know who I am, I will say that. My name's Gareth Dennis, I'm a principal track engineer and the incoming professional head of track for Sistra in the UK. Um, uh, and uh, I've, yeah, I've done teaching of apprentice, apprentices, I've done, I do teaching of various bits and pieces, but also lead a team from a technical side. So hopefully I might have an answer or two, but I, I, I shall be deferring to James, Sam and Caitlin in, in the main. Without further ado, there's everyone. Everyone now, all of the apprentices on the call, and I'm like, oh god, it's, which who's he going to pick? Who's he going to go for? Um, I'm gonna, you know what? I'm gonna go for. I'm I'm gonna go with uh, Harry. Let's start with Harry. Harry, you're the top only because you're in the middle of the top of my screen. Um, tell us a bit about yourself. What's your what's your kind of background? Um, uh, briefly, and then and then what is your question for the panel? Uh, I'm Harry Phillips. Uh, I'm a project management apprentice at HS2. Uh, I actually work for Sam, so on the same bit, he is my, uh, he's my boss there watching me. Uh, and I joined the project like a year and a half ago now, and I came straight out of sixth form, so still still very early on in my mm. career. Uh, and my question for the panel, who have all done an apprenticeship or a graduate scheme, is what was the transition from being an apprentice or a graduate into that sort of full-time role as a, an actual job? Not that an apprenticeship is an actual job, but you, you know what I mean. A very good question. Anyone who wants to pick that one up? Um, actually, Caitlin, do you, do, you, do you want to answer that first? Because I'm, I'm genuinely curious. It's a really good question. I'm genuinely curious to know what that what that was like for you. Go, go and tell us. Um, 
it was quite challenging at the time because it was in the mm. middle of COVID and the lockdown. Um, so it was a bit of an overlap for me where I was actually still trying to complete the last section of my apprenticeship, but mm. because we was working from home and because of lockdown, I needed to move into a role. So I then became assistant commercial engineer. So in that time, it was quite challenging because it was trying to get to grips with the new role, but working from home and not really having accessibility to your team and being able to just have those discussions around. I'm not actually sure what I understand this piece of work. Can you help me? So in that mm -hmm. sense, it was quite challenging. Um, I actually miss being apprenticeship, uh, being apprentice, sorry, because I feel like you had the flexibility of going around the industry, or at least I did in my apprenticeship, and meeting new people and understanding how the industry operates as a whole. So then moving, doing that transition into a full-time role, you've got to get to the grips of your own department and your own role, but you've not got that sort of freedom, if you will. But it was it was a great step for me. Um, I love the industry and hence why I'm still here seven years later. Um, <laughs> but that learning still continues is what I'd probably say. Um, and it's just making sure that you've got enough skills um, to be the best that you can be. And, you know, if you do want to go further, try and have that conversation with your manager. OK, OK, I've got this role now. How can I get from A to B? And kind of having that pl future plan for yourself is probably what mm. I'd say is a, a nice thing to look forward to. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's interesting. Yeah, that, that timing of COVID landing right at the point where you're making that massive change, like yeah. if you like, the is yeah, not not ideal. Um, I have a suspicion that James and Sam might say a similar thing that even outside of COVID, actually, that transition is is difficult. For, you know, I, I, very briefly for me, and then I'm going to throw it to Sam. Um, James is wiggling his finger as well. So there's, there's I'm very quickly for me. Um, you know, I left the, as lots of graduates do. Graduates often end up leaving the company they start with in their graduate scheme and going somewhere else because that company doesn't quite facilitate that transition or, or doesn't respond appropriately to what you want to do next. And, and as, so very briefly, my advice is be, be you know, if, if that is, you know, as an apprentice, you've got a, it's slightly more complicated because you're kind of there's a little bit of being tied down, but ensure that you assert yourself on what you want to do yeah. and don't don't. Yeah, exactly. As Caitlin said, you have those conversations. Um, uh, James or Sam, who's wiggling their finger more vigorously? Uh, go, go on, James, and then we'll and then we'll see if Sam Sam wants to add anything. Well, I just, I just thought it might also be useful being a sort of a, a sort of a, a graduate sandwich, if you like. So I can offer a, a, sim, a similar view, and I, I think we we all do agree from our uh, early career um, sort of experience. Um, that um, it, is, it is exactly, I think, the, the opportunities that are available, as Caitlin said, um, just because you've got the the uh, sort of the title of apprentice or graduate uh, next to your name um, actually goes really, really far, and it is about trying to maximise those um, uh, that 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 title, if you like, so that you can you can expand your network, you can get excellent experience that you otherwise wouldn't do in just a, a standard startup job uh but then yeah moving through from the i guess the, the that transitional phase from whether it be a graduate scheme or an apprentice apprenticeship um it is it's that i identification about what it is that interests you or more to the point what doesn't interest you because actually the idea that you should know exactly what you want to do for the rest of your life um feels quite daunting. It feels quite daunting when people ask you at school, at university, at any stage of life, what do you want to do? The question I always hated um, and still kind of do is where do you see yourself in five years time? <laughs> I, don't, I don't I don't know, frankly, 
but what I do know is what I don't want to do. And actually, sometimes it's really useful to try things just as well to know that you like them, but also to know what you don't like. Um, and that's always good learning experiences. And also the other advice, some people often get a bit, um, it can be a bit daunting and so you'd be a bit back, backward in coming forwards. Um, throw yourself in, show your, show your willing, show that you're willing to try and do your best. Because even if you do things and they go wrong or they don't quite turn out how you plan, um, it's great learning experience. And more than anything from what I've learned from most people is that even if it hasn't turned out as whoever it is that tasked you with doing something or that you're working for, um, if you've shown willing and you are shown to be sort of a capable and amiable person, um, it will it will often look look and reflect well on you, even if you don't think it will in the time. So um, yes, definitely think about what it is that you want to do, your career path, your trajectory, have those chats with your line managers and, and see what it is that you want to do um, moving forwards, but don't feel that you need to, to limit yourself at the same time. Um, I mean, it was a bit more flexible for me, I didn't stick out my graduate scheme. It was a, a two year scheme. I left after 18 months, but that's because I um, uh, proactively took on a role within the organization that I thought, you know what, in for a penny, in for a pound. Um, this 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 sounds right up my street. We'll, we'll see what it turns out like. The skill set matched some of the experience that I'd taken off of the grad scheme. Um, lo and behold, I got it. Um, and almost two years on, I'm I'm still in the, that role, um, and um, yeah, the, I've benefited from both that network, but also uh, shameless plug for for YRP at this point. Um, I <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I uh, I also joined Young Rail Professionals um, to expand my network outside of my um, uh, my uh, my company that I'm working in, uh, in this case HS2 get to know more about the industry, more about what jobs are available, what's going on. Um, and that, I think, to be honest, is is the key thing, to be perfectly honest. It's it's making those contacts, making those connections, yeah. um, just, and just it's, getting out uh, about and saying hi, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I, Sam, I suppose you, you might have some more to add, but I, I suppose it'd be useful, Sam, if you, if, if you could comment on um, you know, the fact that sometimes the apprentice arrangement about when you finish your apprenticeship and then transition into the company that can sometimes be I wouldn't say more restricted but there can be you know slightly different to a graduate scheme where once you finish the graduate scheme usually you're you're kind of that's it you're you're free to you know run off if you if you decide to I mean maybe have you got a bit to say on that and then maybe any other thoughts before we we move to our next question yeah I, I think so I think the most important bit is the planning as well and like Caitlin, James and yourself, Gareth, have all mentioned it's about finding what you enjoy. So I think once you kind of get a feel for that, it, it helps you kind of plan what you want to do afterwards. And I think the main thing, though, for me is not forgetting that, you know, the apprenticeships themselves are designed to upskill individuals. Um, and so at the point at which you finish your apprenticeship, the, the idea is you're qualified enough and skillful enough to be able to do the job that you go into mm -hmm. um so i think that's the most important bit for me is just remembering the fact that you know um you've been on the journey of an apprenticeship you've been able to complete all of the qualifications and everything you need to do um to enable you to to get into the job that it's designed to help you into so i think that's the most important bit really actually thanks sam any 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 of the other apprentices maybe have thoughts on this or uh, or or uh, vigorous shakings of the head any, any uh, feel free to wave at me if you if you have anything to add. if not um, we're going to go to our next question. Um, Christian, Christian, do what? Tell tell us a bit about yourself. What's your what's your experience uh, and how things been going and and what's your question? 
Uh, yeah, so uh, my name is Chris or Christian. Um, doing a project management apprenticeship. Uh, started in September, so I've been there for just under six months now. It's been good. And uh, I guess my question is like, what was like the most like fun you've had as an apprentice? And now that you like you now that you work full time, has there been any other moments that have like been like as equally like fulfilling? I guess. Oh, that's a, a good question. I'm going to keep it. So James and I are going to shut up and just throw this one to Caitlin and Sam. Uh, who wants to go first? I, you know, go on, dive, whoever gets there first for their most fun moment. As a, Obviously, Caitlin's going to answer her track work uh, lectures, uh, the National College of High Speed Rail. Uh, Sam, I'll tell you what, Sam, you, while, while Caitlin works out how to uh, uh, politically uh, navigate her way around that one, Sam, what, what, your, what was your most fun that you've had? Um, I don't know. It, 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 I think there's a lot. Um, I think the, the one for me, I think it's to do with the people really, um, rather than anything in, individual that I've done. I think um, when I joined, I, did, I think we had a cohort of around 20 apprentices. Um, and so sort of, and then I joined during COVID. So you kind of had an emphasis of, you know, working on teams and that helped you, I, to be honest, build up relationships more than you would in an office. Um, there's quite a spread of, you know, for example, I'm based on site most of the week so I'm, I'm not in the corporate offices whereas a lot of apprentices are so when you're on teams it's more you kind of you're able to contact each other more and things like that so um i, I think just meeting the other people and you obviously as part of that you'd have socials and you do work events together and that sort of thing um and i think just being in the same space as people that have got the same kind of ambition and you know um desires as you i think is is fun in itself um as opposed to sort of you know a particular day out i think that'd be my comment yeah so uh go on caitlin what's your what's um, the most fun you've had god it's a really hard one to answer it's such a good question um the i think the most fun i had we have um people in the team called technical inspectors and they're like what i like to call the aa for the in the trains and they're, they're called out by uh, maintenance control and they go to rectify faults in service so I was really fortunate that I was able to spend a decent amount of time with our technical inspectors mm. on the network and I can't even say that it was fun I think it's more just a funny story that I had to go through this but um, part of that um, fault finding service they provide we get a lot of toilet issues in service as you can imagine so um, <laughs> On our 185 fleet, they are our diesel fleet, um, they have a function where we have to back flush the toilet. So that involves putting a clear, I don't know why it's clear, but a clear bin bag over the bowl, putting the lid down. You then open up a cabinet and there's uh, two buttons that you press and it reverse flushes the toilet. So there's a sensor in the bowl and if the water level goes above that sensor in the bowl, it locks itself out of use. So then you then have to empty the bowl. So I, as an apprentice, had to earn my stripes. Oh no! Back flush wow. the toilet in service and it is horrific. And the hardest bit is actually trying to get the bag off the toilet because it's horizontal. You're trying to keep all its contents within the bag and to take it off. So um, I don't think it would go in this direction. No, so it's more of a funny story that happened to me. So I missed the fun of uh, being out in service and, you know, you get passengers nosing at you saying what you're up to and that kind of thing. But yeah. um, I'm glad that, that I don't have to do like that anymore. Exactly that, like, into, like it's, in the rail industry, we don't, particularly when we're kind of on the function side of kind of all the nuts and bolts rather than, you know, uh, passenger facing staff, we don't get to 
be around, you know, spending time around around pastors and and and, and on running trains. So it's kind of a, a quite a unique role. And and okay, that story is obviously appalling and horrifying. But um, <laughs> but actually, I can see how it's yeah, I can see how it's part of like this kind of quite a unique and fun experience. Yeah, for sure. I think Gareth's a bit jealous. <laughs> yeah, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to clean. I could definitely arrange for that, Gary, if you're more than welcome to come and <laughs> there's, there's a future episode. There's a future episode where I go out. Absolutely, I mean, I'm not even joking. Let's let's go out and you can laugh at me while I attempt to uh, back flush <laughs> a toilet in a in a one eight five. I do moan about the the one eight five toilet, so maybe that's that's TP can get their own back on me. Um, <laughs> uh, do any of the other apprentices have a, a funny story that 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 you've anyone anyone have a particularly good? Raise your hand if you've got a particularly good like moment or or a moment that you just think was really nice that you want to share. Go on, Adil. Uh, so first of all, my name is uh, Adil and I'm a land referencing apprenticeship. I'm on the land referencing apprenticeship. Uh, I work within a property, land and property within H2 mm. that deals with the acquisition and the uh, research of land. I think we've we've only been, we were only embarked on our apprenticeship about six months ago, less than six months, same as Christian uh, in September. And I think we, uh, upon our actual induction, a few weeks afterwards, we had a site visit and we were expected to actually, no, sorry, it wasn't a side visit. We were expected to go to London for one of our induction days. And I think on the, on, on the way back, I think Christian understands what was going to happen. I think Christian understands what happened. We as a cohort obviously stuck together. And on the way back, obviously, you can understand that Houston's quite a very busy, busy station. So um, oh. we were with, the boys were with each other. So there was about, um, about seven or eight of us together. And obviously because Houston being so busy the train platforms are constantly changing so as you can imagine it's literally you wait until you see the board for which your platform your train's gonna arrive and you literally go running to it so we thought we'd decide to go have a quick drink just beforehand and we had seen that our platform that was assigned to us was platform I think it was one so we had gone to get our drink we had come back we've gone to platform one and the train's there and I was just this was the first time personally me I've taken a train especially for work from London so I was just more hesitant to make sure we're getting on the right train mm -hmm. so what had happened was with these guys um the actual logo on the train was saying that it was going to Scotland Glasgow and the train everybody that was getting on the train had suitcases etc you get it and I was thinking yeah this is not for us so I asked the train driver yep where is this going is this stopping at New Street where we are based in Birmingham he mentioned no it's not so I go, I'm not getting on this train. The other guys, on the other hand, however, said on the train line app, it had mentioned to them, oh, yeah, it says it's platform one. So we're getting on this train. I go, go ahead. You guys get stuck in Glasgow. <laughs> you guys are going to have to pay for your train ticket back. So these guys were like, oh, yeah. So this, this, they, they, they were like, yeah, we're going to get on. I, I made my own decision. I'll go, I'm not doing this. I'll rather wait and let, go find another let, train. There, in and of itself, an education about railways, which is um, uh, don't trust the train line app. Sorry, yeah. everyone watching from train line um, on platforms, certainly. Uh, there we go. So, yeah, it, that sort of shenanigans and chaos seems to be some level of the, yeah. the fun. But that's kind of represents the railway is that you, yeah. I mean, so the, the the chaos is part of the fun of running a you know a public system that that um, <laughs> that has all the complexities and moving parts of of the rail industry. So. Um, uh, it's a good job I was talking there because the internet dropped out a bit, which means I can capture it here and here. Peek behind the curtain for everyone watching. Um, so uh, it's time for another question. Um, ben, uh, introduce yourself. Tell us, tell us what you um, what you do and and what's your question. And so, hello everyone. I'm Ben, and I'm the fleet apprentice. And like Caitlin, I work for Transpennine Express. Um, following the footsteps, pretty much. <laughs> um, Caitlin's been a, a huge godsend, if you will, because everything that I'm doing, she's already done. 
Um, so yeah, I went for Transparent Express. Um, and my question is, uh, how do you resolve issues outside of your control in relation to the apprenticeship rather than the workplace? Because obviously in the workplace, you would talk to your line manager or the production manager if you're on depot or something. But in the course itself, especially if you're, um, if there's a lot of changes that have been made in the college or, you know, um, staff turnover and things like that, or you, you struggle to get that communication. How do you resolve those issues? Because I'm I'm actually um, a few months away from my employment assessment, so uh, that kind of knowledge would be quite useful when I'm about to start the assessment period. So, you know, I'll yeah, start with that. Really good question, and I know, yeah, Sam for sure. I'm sure you have thoughts, but I know for a fact that Caitlin will have will have thoughts on this, given the manner in which your uh, your the learning part of your um, apprenticeship was delivered. Uh, Caitlin, what are your thoughts on that? A very good question. What are your thoughts? <laughs> My first thing is I know exactly how you feel. And we've had many, many conversations about this, Ben. Um, it is challenging. And I think a lot of it, as you say, is out of your control. And it's just persevering and doing what you can to make sure that you make sure you give yourself the best chance to succeed in your endpoint assessment. So make sure that you've put in the hours, um, you're up to date with the thing that you need to be. You've absolutely exhausted all those questions that you have. And then if at that point you still don't get any further, it's just trust yourself to do the best that you can on the day and just know that you've ex accelerated it within the business mm -hmm. and the relevant people know the situation. And then all you can do at that point is do your best. Um, but keep pushing, don't give up, don't have the same sort of attitude that other people may have and then mm. relax and take a, you know, a step back. Keep pushing because um, it's your apprenticeship at the end of the day. You take control of it because it's mm. only you who's either going to benefit or not benefit if you don't do well at the end of it. So just keep in control, keep pushing. I know it's frustrating, um, but the time will pass and you'll get there in the end. It was a quagmire at the, at the National College of Ice Rail, um, which is now completely gone, uh, or at least in terms of all the people, so we can be mean about it. The thing is, there are lots of good people involved. It's not like we're being mean about all the people involved in the college. Lots of really great people who committed a lot of time to it, but the management of the college was dreadful. Yeah. And I think you guys weren't having any useful communication. You weren't clear on what your actually learning objectives were. You weren't clear on what the course even was, or in some cases, I think you weren't even clear when you had to be certain places. It was just yeah. a just real nice. shambles. Yeah. Just an absolute mess. Hopefully, nowhere will be as bad as that. But um, the, the, yeah, I think it's it's communicating back to your line manager, as Caitlin says. Is, 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 Sam, I'll throw to you. Have you got any other horror stories or or anything to add to, to Caitlin's thoughts? No, I think Caitlin summed up quite well. I think it's yeah, it's about understanding what you can do as an individual, um, doing your best at that, and you just you know, like you say, Ben, in your question, the rest of it's out of your control. So, um, wouldn't worry about it. Just do what you can do, and um, I'm sure you'll, all, you'll you'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I suppose James and I might say the same thing, which is it kind of a little bit reflects well on you how you respond in terms of the the, the real world as well, because things screw up that are out of your control in a big way on the railway all the time and you do your best within what you've got control over 
and you do your best to communicate what you don't have control over. That's true for everything, right? Risk management, it's true for you know project control, it's true for you know the mud that's falling on the railway. At any point, you 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 communicate what you don't have control over, and you do your best with what you do. Yeah, um, I, I don't want to say anymore because Caitlin gave a very clear and, and, and perfect answer. James, however, wants to say something. Go on, James. I've I've just got something very short to add to all of that. Is that because um, it comes off of what that Gareth said there about um, only only worry essentially about what's in your control um there's only so much that you can control and so it is pointless worrying about things that you can't um it's a bit futile um only advice uh, i actually did uh, an apprenticeship um while on my grad scheme or part way while i was still on the graduate scheme but it carried over while i was um uh, taking on my my role that i'm presently in um and so i had the dynamic of moving from this graduate setting to having a, a managerial type role where i had to squeeze in and fit around my apprenticeship course that I was doing. So it's not a strict apprenticeship program like you guys are on, but it's still from a from a certification and educational perspective, I've still got to go through all of the, those criteria and those touch points in the endpoint assessment. Um, if you've got targets, target dates, uh, target submissions, best advice, set yourself a false deadline and do um, little and often. Um, because if you set yourself a false deadline of something that's a bit early um, and then something goes wrong, something out of your control, throws a spanner in the works. Don't think, oh, don't worry, I've got six months till this submission needs to be in. I'll do it uh, in five months and 28 days time um, because in five months and 28 days time, you might be ill. Uh, you might be you might be snowed under with something particular that's going on at work, whatever, whatever it is. I can only recommend, even if it's just a little bit, and it's all—it's always I always found. I don't know about Sam or, or Caitlin with their work, but equally, if you um, once you've made a start, that feels like most of it. Although that sounds a bit bizarre, actually, the hardest part is is making a start. And often, once you've made that start on your submission or on your work or your endpoint assessment the work then starts to flow and follow and it becomes that little bit easier to get in that mindset, get into that gear of doing it. And so even if you can just get the first 5% down on paper, it might take you three weeks longer than you planned, but that's arguably the hardest bit over and done with um, when it comes to what you're doing. And so, yeah, little and often and set yourself on some false deadlines because yeah, there's loads of stuff that you won't be able to control and you shouldn't beat yourself up about it. Nice one. Um, Ethan. Uh, tell us a bit about yourself. So, what's your what? Tell us a bit about your your background. What where, where you're at in your apprenticeship, and um, what's your question? Uh, yeah, hello everyone. My name's Ethan. For a while, um, I joined the uh, HS2 as an apprentice PM, same as Chris, about six, just under six months ago. Um, I we joined after going on a gap year uh, to work in a different country. Uh, my question is, what would you recommend? Um, uh, us doing after we've rolled off our apprenticeship to optimise our growth still because a lot of the apprenticeship you spend a lot of time learning and developing skills how can that carry forward into your job role? Hmm. Really really interesting question. Um, Sam do you want to pick up first and then um, and I'll throw it to James I think because I think the two of you might have and then Caitlin and I can wrap up. So Sam what do you think? Yeah I, I think you've just got a kind of keep going with everything obviously you'll have finished your kind of 20 percent you know of the time um you'll have that back and you'll have back to five days a week or whatever however it works for you um i think you've just got to keep an open mind i think you've got to listen to the people around you um ultimately the people around you especially on on hs2 have got 
such a massive, massive um, sort of breadth of experience. Um, you know, we've got people who've worked all over the world on every single, you know, project you can name. Um, you, you know, you're not going to get the opportunity again to work with people like that. So I, my main piece of advice is just be listen to those around you, um, take their feedback on board and always just kind of seek out that feedback. Um, you know, put yourself out of your comfort zone and, um, and you'll, you'll no doubt keep developing. Oh, this is going to be good because I think certainly James and I are going to give two different answers that, that build on that. So Sam's gone people around you. James is going to go network through the YRP and I'm going to talk about professional institutions and professional engineering institutions. So James, tell us about YRP and, and why that's a good way to to kind of build that learning and 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 and, and so pitch I mean, time again. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, Gareth, you kind of kind of read my mind is that my, my initial answer is is networking and then the secondary answer would have been uh, professional development, but there's varying ways and means to do that. Um, actually, through the YRP, we do support. We don't actively provide the courses or able to necessarily fund you, but we do offer um, talks, information, what to do about professional development as an early careerist. Now, that's whether you're an apprenticeship, uh, on an apprenticeship presently, a graduate, or you've just left those, or you happen to be starting out a career in rail and haven't followed any of those paths. Um, there's plenty of people that have done and can give you personal advice, but also we do put on webinars, seminars, and there's resources on our website. But the reason why RP, as, as Gareth's kind of pushed me in that direction, is that um, if you join an, uh, a network such as YRP1, um, you're meeting people who are themselves like-mindedly sort of proactive and um, positive sort of mindset about the industry. They, they want to learn from each other. It's about cross-industry learning. And it is about kind of touching on what Sam said and both something which I've recognised from my own personal experience within HS2. I've been very fortunate that I've been exposed to people that have worked on um, projects like CTRL, so Channel Tunnel Rail Link, actually building the Channel Tunnel itself um, way back when with some of our phase one um, delivery guys as well, um, who are a bit long in the tooth now. Um, but equally, there's a load of people that have recently delivered Crossrail, stuff like that. So you get talking to that, but YRP, um, kind of does that but on steroids really you've got all sorts and manners of people that you can go and talk to um, ask about something I work in an infrastructure um, company like yourself um, you might not have the first first clue about how a talk operates but something like YRP um, fills that gap where you can network with someone like Caitlin um, and you can learn about what Caitlin's role um, is or um, someone in Caitlin's organisation at TP you can go and learn what a, a dispatcher does on a platform or um, what, what the responsibility of a, of a guard is or something all, all of these kind of things and, and you can learn about train planning and it's all about building up that kind of collective broad base of knowledge and so networking is good because one you never know who you might need sometimes there's a, there's a great saying isn't there sometimes it's not what you know it's who you know um, but equally networking in and of itself helps you learn more from other people that you wouldn't normally be exposed to if you just turned up to the office did your job went home again watch netflix like definitely get yourself out there and if you want to learn and you're wanting to grow as a person an individual and and use that as a way to springboard your career uh, more than anything and get that little bit extra on your peers um do something voluntary with yrp whether that's just being an active participant or volunteer like I do and um, actively give up your time to produce and deliver things in your own time because ultimately you can put voluntary stuff on your CV and it looks pretty good to employers frankly um, if you're wanting yeah. if you're wanting people to notice you and stand out from the crowd. So if YRP is anabolic steroids then um, your professional institution would be uh, your protein shake 
so um uh so YRP is fantastic for like that 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 kind of evening stuff and and, and that networking across the whole industry independent of engineering silos your professional institution is so so whether it's IRO whether it's the permanent way institution that becoming the IRALE, whether it's the, the institution of civil engineers, the IMECI, wherever it ends up being that you that you follow that route to professional registration, that's a fantastic way to plot the path. So EngTech in the first instance, you know, for anyone who's whether they're a graduate or an apprentice, EngTech is a really good way of getting your ducks in a row of working out, right, I need to know all this stuff. I need to get all this experience. Here's how I'm going to do this. Um, and then they those institutions Particularly, you know, my, my the PWI. As I, I'm here wearing my wearing my nice PWI sort of. I'm Harry Hilling into a camera over there. By the way, everyone on the call, this is the, the Harry Hill side camera over there. Um, yeah, professional institution is a really fantastic way to structure that learning. That that you you know you don't have that structure after the apprenticeship concludes. The your professional institution can facilitate that learning. After all that waffle, uh, Caitlin, any any thoughts to add? So we've had people around you. We've had YRP and those sorts of events with any professional institution. Any anything, any any insights or thoughts you've got to add? Just to echo the three of you, really. Um, even with the institutions, they do day courses themselves. Like last year, I did two day courses to do contract law and drafting course. Mm. I did a commercial skills law uh, course. So there's always courses out there available to you that you could then go on. So you don't have to dedicate too much of your time, but it, you could just get a day out of work and you know really continue that development um but then also even though you've done your apprenticeship there's nothing to say that you can't go on to do a degree so sometime in the near future i'm hoping to do my degree um, and if you're fortunate enough your company might fund it for you so i think it's always just keeping an open mind of what's next and what does my role require of me to do in the future you know and how can i develop further so yeah i think just keeping an open mind and doing research to see what's out there really Perfect. There we go. That's I, I'm so pleased we got uh, that was a really what's great is that the, so Pete behind the curtain for everyone listening. We none of us know what any of the other questions are and each of them have really neatly. I'm also picking people entirely at random. They've really neatly led into each other. So no pressure, Alina. Uh, uh, tell us a bit about yourself. <laughs> I'm going to break the streak now. You no, me. you're not. No, you're not. Well, tell us about yourself. What's your where, where are you at? What's your experience and, and, and what is your question? Right, my name's Alina Ahmed. I've been on my project management apprenticeship for two and I'd say a smidge years. Talking about um, the, we're bashing the National College for High Speed Rail now. I'm more, <laughs> I'm gonna bash it here. It used to be my training provider for the project management apprenticeship. Mm. So I had to deal with the lovely hell knowing as one training provider went whoosh away and then Oh, bless the talent team. They worked so hard to try and get us on mm. another. And so my apprenticeship got extended. So that was fun. And yeah. I pretty much <laughs> I pretty much came from just basically A levels, did a random gap year because I basically came out of uh, sixth form around about um COVID time. So that was a weird time to come out of stuff. And I know quite a few of my friends had to go and stay up in UD accommodations during lockdown and I felt sorry for them. I was like, at least mm. I can be at my parents' house, move around a bit. But I guess with my kind of question to all of you was who were the kind of people who influenced you in your early careers, whether it's your line managers, your mentors, and like a kind of little add me on of that. Or has have there been anyone who's like been in that kind of mentory leadership position who has maybe discouraged you from doing certain things? And how have you dealt with that? 
Oh, that's such a good question. Oof. Who wants can I, can I, James, I'll, 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 I'll yeah, go on. Super quick. Super quick. Go so on. very, very quickly, um, uh, someone that I guess uh, inspired me, if you like, um, aside for, aside from uh, family members and all all that good stuff when you're when you're five years old about what railways are and could be, uh, and watching BBC Two documentaries about bringing the bullet train to York. Um, actually, I would say is someone on this call. Uh, without without fanboying him and making him blush too much, but um, having having someone like Gareth um, sort of inspire you from a lecturing teaching perspective when you're semi hungover at university, um, not really enjoying being there on a Tuesday morning, um, but it's still very interesting and entertaining, and you feel like you're genuinely learning something um, is is really really I think crucial and important um and i would say that gauss not the only one that i've had many i've been very fortunate in my path uh through hs2 to have had very similar people without going through all of them who've been very supportive very helpful and very encouraging um i actually have taken on your negative aspect i have been in the unfortunate position where in hs2 we have a, a buddy system um, where the uh, previous cohorts buddy up with the, the newbies essentially um, and without going into the details on it um, the, the person that I was buddy of uh, for the year below me um, was not having the experience um, or experiences that she needed uh, required um, and or frankly if you've uh, got yourself onto a, an apprenticeship or a graduate program they're demanding interview processes in and of themselves you've earned to be there you've earned that mm. right to be there and the fact that there are people that won't give you that time of day um, is a reflection on them not necessarily the company that you're working for um, but it, unfortunately it does happen and the only thing that I can I can kind of say on that point is that I managed to um, help them um, sort of move away and um, place them in an, a different area within within the business, um, work with the future talent team um, to re reallocate them to someone that was more befitting and, and, and appropriate and suitable um, to, to help them. Um, the great thing is, is that she now runs HS2's Early Careers Network uh, mm. um, as, a, as, a, as a young person having offboarded out of the grad scheme, whereas we were very much looking at if we did nothing about it they could have they could have departed within the first six months of the of the of the graduate program um and so without going on too much about all of that stuff um it definitely is going back to sound like a broken record networking expand your network irrespective of what jobs or tasks or um placements that you're on just get talking to loads of people because there will be times throughout your career whether it's at the start the middle the end you will end up either in a position you don't like or with people that you like working with it's an unfortunate fact of life um but if you've got a good network to pull on and draw on um often you will find that there are very good folk and kind people who are willing to help those that can help themselves um so um don't be backwards and coming forwards work on that network um because yeah when uh, when you need that help um help will be there it's just being able to find it Caitlin, uh, yeah, thanks, thanks, James. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm uh, blushing, James, for your kind words. But no, there are people around to find. Finding those people is is really key. And yeah, I had a couple of senior engineers who who I've, you know, they were role models in certain ways, and maybe less role models in in other ways. Um, but uh, they uh, they they taught me everything I know really in terms of the, the day job. And so you do find these people, and I suppose there's a, there's a, there's maybe a knack. Of, as James said, if you've got the role you have, it's because you part of it is because you've got a knack for interacting well with other people and probably you've got a knack for spying those those people but Caitlin sorry I'm waffling no uh, problem. Thoughts? Um, 
I think my role model is my line manager, Dave Walker. He's fantastic. Um, he started off as an apprentice on the shop floor as a fitter electrician, and now he's the head of fleet commercial. And he's my role model because he kind of showed me what's possible um, as starting as an apprentice and what could be possible in the future. And also in the sense of he started in one role and ended up in a completely different one to where he thought he'd ever be. So in that sense, it's kind of just reassuring that you might think that this is what you want right now, but it's then okay to change your mind or have a change of path later down the line, which I then ended up as fleet commercial engineer. So I've naturally fallen into his footsteps. Um, so he was a brilliant role model for me. But one thing I struggled with in my apprenticeship, I was the first apprentice within TP for the fleet team and everybody else was in a position where you either had to be a chartered engineer or have like 40 years of railway experience behind you. And there was no sort of um, entry role into the team. So I struggled with not knowing what my next step should be. And I really struggled with what do I need to do to get from A to B. And I would have really benefited from having a mentor or maybe somebody who bridged the gap to kind of guide me and say, if you do this, it will set you up with the right experience to move into this position. Um, so I suppose in that sense, I felt alone sometimes. Um, I found it quite stressful and I'd get myself worked up about it because you weren't guaranteed a role after your apprenticeship, which I completely understand. But I wanted to make sure that I could do everything I could to secure a role. And it was very clear to me that there was physically no role for me to move into. And I was very fortunate that in the end, they, they made a role for me to move in. And they acknowledged that they needed, you know, if they were going to have apprentices, they need an entry role, so to speak. So in that sense, I think I would have appreciated having mentors there. And I've had different people in the business try to be a mentor, but unfortunately the challenges of work and, you know, people just have so much to deal with, it just kind of dripped away. And I didn't really have the committed support of a mentor because it wasn't their sole job. It was just something that they were trying to do as an extra. So I think in those, if you ever feel that way, it's just, as James said, build your network, ask people questions and there'll be lots of people around who may not be internal but can guide you and give you the sort of experience that you can kind of lean on. Thanks Caitlin. Um, Sam I'm I, I, conscious that we, I didn't throw it to you but I'm going to jump conscious of time I'm going to jump to the next question you might you can you can sneakily answer the previous question with the with the next one if you when you answer the next one if you like. Um, Ahmed uh, tell us about your your background and um, and what's your question? How's it going, Dennis? Um, so I'm doing a project management apprenticeship at Houston. I was a bookseller by trade, but I just decided to do a career change after the world ended with COVID. And yeah, so far so good. And my question was, if I was to take you guys back in a time machine, what is a mistake that you did during your apprenticeship that you wish you can correct? And what sort of benefit would that have given you now? What a question. What a question. OK, Sam, go on. Well, we'll start with you. No pressure. Yeah. When he um, rolls up. <laughs> I think I think that's an interesting question. To be honest with you, um, I don't think I'd change anything. I think, um, you know, I definitely made mistakes in the apprentice, whether that, you know, you might get 
something wrong and going through a governance cycle or you know it's part of your job engaging with people you might you know take the wrong approach in in places but um i i think that's natural i think that's part of learning so um my view on it would be uh i wouldn't change anything i think uh everything i've done has got me to where i am um and hopefully that will keep me going in the direction i want to go um and and that would be my my advice would be don't honestly do not worry if you make mistakes that's what you're there to do um the only way you learn from mistakes is by making them in the first place so um yeah wouldn't change anything yeah um everyone's moved around because send has just joined us but we'll we'll worry about that in the edit um <laughs> thanks sam um james go on you raise your finger so i was going to kind of follow on with with sam there just because i don't think there's anything that i would change drastically about either my grads uh, scheme that i did and the choice of leaving it early uh, obviously that's not necessarily something that's available to uh, apprenticeships because you're often I say more contractually tied to um, your course and your thing um, but equally to my apprenticeship I'm not sure there's specifically anything that I would change uh, the only things that I, I would potentially have reconsidered to be honest with you um, is maybe choosing uh, or being more forceful about different placements or interests that I wanted to do um, often because you you're quite new to things you don't really know with the benefit of hindsight i think that there are things which i would probably push to get a bit more exposure to than maybe i i necessarily was afforded at the time but that's only because i only realize that now um but also i'll, I'll kind of pause there and also give give spencer because i know spencer's only just been able to join because of um work commitment spencer is a, a, a siemens um former apprentice works for, for siemens now but um um, he he was on the apprenticeship program, um, and I think um, is currently um, studying at the BCRRE as well. So, um, Gareth, it might actually be a, a good opportunity to to throw that question and um, over to over to Spencer and see if uh, if he had his time yeah. again. What would uh, what would he yeah. do differently? What? Yeah, it's conscious. This is very last minute tracking you into a, a difficult question. And Caitlin, <laughs> I, you, you, I, I yeah. saw you scratching your chin. We'll come back to you, Caitlin, to find out what you. But uh, Spencer, so tell what did you screw up that you'd like, or if you did, what would you change that you think would 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 maybe set you up in better stead now? So I think the first thing that I would answer the question is to say that um, I think without failure in life, you're never really going to be able to actually reach the place of success. So being actually being just being willing to actually try things and just as scary as it might look sometimes it's worth for you to just to just do it and fail and maybe have one of the managers or somebody come at you and shout at you and just tell you like you've done the whole thing wrong but at least you understand now that the next time that you're gonna have to do this you know where you've made your mistakes so one thing i'd say is never be scared to make mistakes because um like me personally I've made so much mistakes within just because I was kind of thrown into the deep end with a lot mm. of stuff that was happening within them um, just within Siemens there was a lot of changes a lot of managers left and things were a bit all over the place so it was like trying to keep a ship running and there's no captain so it was like everybody else has got to kind of take up the slack so one thing I'd say to everybody is just yeah just don't be scared to to to, to try things and fail at things that's probably the main way to to be able to learn and yeah. I think to the the, the harder things get for you and the harder it is for you to learn things is how much you actually learn in it because one thing I used to realize was um I'd be doing I'd be doing things like I'd be given a task or I'd be probably shown a new system to use 
and because I find it so hard to learn, it would cause me to. I'm a person I just don't like to. I'm I'm not a person that likes to fail, and sometimes I think when you don't do something right, it can hit you the wrong way. It can put you in a place mm. where you're like, well, is it worth me even doing this? But it's just understanding that for you to actually reach the goal of, like, for an example, um, is it Ahmed, where he said like he's doing an apprenticeship within um project project management, or is it project engineering? Um, sorry if I'm wrong. Um, for you to be able to actually get to that role where you 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 are qualified and you are the person that you want to be, a lot of it is going to be just willing to try everything. Whether you you get it right or you fail at it, it's not really. I think it's not really so much of an issue. Yeah, yeah. Such such yeah. No, that's honestly that's such good, and it kind of echoes what's been said already, Spencer. That such good advice is actually creating that safe space to fail within. Is about having yeah. the network, having a good relationship with your line managers. Caitlin said, having having those anchors, but actually being comfortable to to fail. Yeah, Caitlin. Yeah, yeah. Any, anything to add to that? Um, and indeed, not. yeah. Who your your moment of if you did have a moment of, of failure that you might change because none of us have actually changed anything. I don't know, Caitlin. What are you thinking? I know. I feel like I'm going to echo what everybody else said because I couldn't really think of anything that was really standing out on the state that like I deeply regretted or, um, yeah. It's, I think one thing I would I wish I could change was my self confidence back then during my apprenticeship and. I think it all comes down to that fear of failing and fear of not doing well and just realising that, as everybody said, in order to succeed, you do need to fail because that's how we grow and that's how we learn. And I, I was just so fearful of that. And I wish I just believed in myself more and stopped stressing about everything. Um, because you certainly didn't show it. You did not show <laughs> you. You seem very and and I have to say, rightly sure of yourself when I was when I was teaching you, you seemed very confident. So you hit it well, even if internally. I'll say, I'll share the same. I might seem like I'm an extrovert, but actually, you know, like I cause myself deep psychic damage every time I'm. I don't know why. Why did I start a podcast that has guests? Yeah. Given that it, I cause myself stress and anxiety every single time. But you know, um, I suppose pushing ourselves out of our comfort zone. So we have got um, where everyone's moved around. Adil, I think. You're the last person in the. Someone shout if I've missed anyone. I think Adil, you're last on the list. So tell, tell oh, you, you introduced yourself a little bit. Um, yeah. What's your question? Tell us, and and we'll round out. So what potential is there to actually progress as an apprentice career-wise? Meaning, in terms of maybe somebody might have always wanted to get into the rail industry, but they haven't been able to secure a role that they actually want to actually secure. Uh, in their future career aspect and what they want to aspire. So what progress would they be in regards to this uh, potential? Such a good. So the last person who's going to answer this is Caitlin because of your line manager. I think that'll give us a I think that'll neatly uh, kind of round out uh, the kind of how far you can get. So I'll start. Spencer, actually, I don't know if you want to answer this one. Spencer, what, 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 you know, how far can you get? Where, where can you go? And how, how does, I suppose, sidestepping is how I would describe yeah. it. What potential is there for sidestepping? So um, the one thing with the rail industry that I've personally found is that um, a lot of it is about who you know. So like your networking is quite important. So it's one thing where you, it's, it's it's more like I said. It's more thing like who you know or over like what you know in some circumstances. 
because like obviously the technical aspect is very important but having that network of people maybe from like internally and as well as outside of your um, organization is is very important within the rail industry as far as like potential of the railway you can get to i think that comes down more to just how far you want to go and where your aspirations are actually what will, will want to take you could just with the railway, it's quite a big industry, but it's also very small, where it's very community-based, and it's, it's a kind of thing where everybody moves around from company to company. So I think if you've got a, a, an idea like, okay, well, for an example, maybe I want to be a signaling engineer, and maybe you're probably not in signaling at the moment, you're probably working in, for an example, telecoms, it's probably a good idea not to look at it as, oh, well, I'm in the wrong place at the moment, because what you end up finding is that a lot of the things that you would learn from all these mm -hmm. different other disciplines, they always lead on for you to be able to end up in the discipline that you actually want to be in. Because um, with a lot of the railways, it's, it's, it's very, like, it's, it's, as a big system, the subsystems are all very interconnected. So what you find is exactly that what I've said that a lot of the, the the processes and a lot of the things that you need to do within different roles they're very similar so to, I'd say that you just have to yeah just try and push doors and not be a person where you, if you get told no you you just take it as oh well that's it now you just have to you just keep knocking on those doors yeah. and keep trying to speak to people that maybe they are doing the role that you're do that you want to do and ask them how did you get there what steps can I take and just being very very proactive because the yeah. potential yeah I think the potential within real is quite big this yeah it's not like many other industries absolutely I'm, I'm conscious of time I'm going to throw to Kate go on okay James a quick a quick word and then we're going to get throw to Caitlin and Sam for the last word well, just just very just very quickly, because all, all of what Spencer said there is there's bang on. Um, just to just to tee up on, on what he said there is that yeah, it is about that proactive nature, uh, and um, show it showing that you're able. Um, until recently, um, HS2's um, uh, CEO, uh, its head, um, Mark Thurston, um, was a former apprentice himself. Um, who started out way back when in the early 80s um, as a as an uh, electrician, um, effectively doing a yeah. doing an apprenticeship course, um, so ending up being the highest paid civil servant in the country. So I, I don't how so, there's there's your aspiration. You can so you can really get the heights. Yeah, exactly. So you you, you literally you, the, the the sky's the limit, and your potential is what you make it really. And I think Spencer's Spencer's bang on. Uh, and the only thing that I would add is that in my own experience in my my job presently, um, things aren't great given current government announcements. Um, but it is about trying to make the best of of what opportunities still present you. And uh, Spencer is dead right. Either you can do that within your own company and you can see about sideways moves or, as you say, a bit of shadowing with other people. Or because, as you said, it feels like a very big industry, the rail industry. But actually, the the wider you cast your net from a networking perspective, sounding like a broken broken record here. It feels it feels sm smaller. The, small, the it? smaller it feels, yeah. it really, yeah, really yeah, is. Absolutely. I mean, it's sure, remarkable sure. how you know. So yeah, uh, that's what I would say. Yeah. Uh, Sam, uh, throw it to yourself for for you know sidestepping and and where you can where you can get. I suppose we've covered a lot, but yeah, any, anything else to add? No, I, I think just apply yourself, use the skills that you learn during your apprenticeship and the people you meet um, and apply yourself on a daily basis. And I, I think you can go wherever you want.
Caitlin, I, I mean, you know, you've already given us a bit of a hint as to, you know, your experience of how far people can get. Um, I think it's nice for you to have the, the last word of a panellist before I before I start vigorously waving my arm to say goodbye. <laughs> I think the one thing that I want to say is that mm. your apprenticeship is probably the best opportunity that you'll have. And if you are somebody who wants to succeed and go far, your apprenticeship is a springboard. It's the only opportunity you'll have to learn from different companies, from different people in the industry. Use it as an opportunity to do different placements. We're, we're always welcoming um, apprentices to come and spend time with TP. So please come and get in contact and spend time with us. But this is your best opportunity now to learn as much as you can about the whole system the whole system of the railway as it works at different functions, whether it's signaling track, train operators, HS2. So use your opportunity now as an apprentice to get that skill, get those knowledge. And then when you do step into a role, you'll have those foundations that will allow you to do those side steps or to then move up the chain, so to speak. So, yeah. Yeah, I cannot think of a more perfect way to end the session. Everyone, all of you, panelists, apprentices, Thank you so much for joining. This has been a really interesting conversation. Um, just honestly, fantastic. Uh, I hope it's done what, what YRP wanted. It's certainly made for a really interesting conversation. I'm looking forward to, to people seeing. The usual plugs. Uh, thank you everyone for listening to this in audio only format. Uh, I think it probably worked all right, apart from my um, rather uh, improvised introduction and, and general wafflings, kind of like now. Um, leave a little review if you like, it, it helps. Um, the other plugs, patreon.com slash Gareth Dennis for the, the Patreon to support more of this sort of thing happening. Uh, ad infinitum until, you know, I die of old age or whatever. Um, Gareth Dennis.co.uk slash merch for the merchandise. Um, the build HS2 uh, top looks so funny there, but I, it, everyone should wear one. My hope is that um, I can get at the front row to wear them at, at the next Labour uh, rally or uh, leadership speech. Get, get everyone in, in, this, in, the, in the audience to wear them um, and face Rachel Reeves. Anyway, uh, paypal.me slash Gareth Dennis for the um, for the, the, the loose change in abuse and of course the chat. Hello everyone in the chat. Uh, hopefully this was interesting and useful for a few of you who are uh, perhaps thinking about a career in the industry or or, or starting out. Um, GarethDennis.co.uk slash Discord. Next week. Next week is episode 205 and uh, after some requests we have seen um, we're going to uh, ask or rather answer uh, or rather discover should I say uh, that time when British Rail ran boats uh, yeah it's going to be a brief history of Sealink et al um, we're going to look into Sealink because you know why not fun little thing to do nice little uh, purposeless episode other than some fun little localised history let's see what we can learn shall we um, back to back to the crew it only really remains um, for, for me to and, and as many people who don't feel embarrassed about it to vigorously wave into the camera to say goodbye uh, thanks everyone Cheerio! Cheerio! Stay on the line and I'll say a proper thank you! Cheerio! Take this and do this and okay the hell with it as the intercity 225 fades away
it's just me anyway. It's just, it's just me. It's just me on my own in a teams meeting. Has it worked, James? Has it worked? Have, has it me over there? Has it worked? Me, me and the the, the mic. Has, has it worked? Don't know. Will it work? I don't know what this 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 train is here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand on the footplate of this thing. I don't I don't know what it is, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go and stand over here. God, I don't know, I don't know what this. Seems, everyone seems to be quite a, fuss, a big fuss about whatever this thing is.